Hello, this is Nick from WOW Talk, and you're listening to In Orbit on Mash Those Buttons. You're not going to replace me with Nolan North, are you? Guardian. Guardian. Guardians listening to us as they get their sparrows for racing. Welcome to episode 14 here on In Orbit, Mash Those Buttons bi-weekly podcast dedicated to Destiny and its community. I'm your host and currently still psych nerd as I just watched episode 7. The name is Jorge, aka GoToNRG. Today we're joined in this holiday extravaganza by a whole bunch of other people because the original people kind of they went bye-bye. Anyway, uh, first up is the returning champion himself, the Demon of Destruction, a.k.a. Ryan. Say hi. Hey, what's up, guys? Next up is a fellow Technodrome clanmate and expert of salt in its many state and forms, David. Say hi. What's up, everybody? <laughs> and last but not least, from the other side of the pond, <laughs> we got Jamie, a.k.a. Pachette. Say hi. Hey, guys. How we doing? Uh, so... In today's episode, I kind of wanted to bring in a whole bunch of people because I wanted to discuss the game as a whole and how we feel about it. And everybody's already heard me. We've already heard Waldy. We've already heard Ja in as many states uh, in, in the past episodes. So I kind of wanted to bring other people in, discuss how we feel about not just the uh, PvE, but also PvP. I know Jamie and David, they're they're big-time PvP guys, so... I figured bringing in other people in who have more experience with, with Crucible might be a good thing. We're going to be discussing Crucible in its many state and forms, especially now that there's the 2.1 update, Sparrow Racing and its loot, and the quote-unquote challenge modes. So without further ado, let's go ahead and start off. Let's get the, the PvE stuff out of the way. We'll first discuss the challenge modes. We've already had the War Priest challenge mode. We've had the Golgroth challenge mode, and we had Oryx challenge mode. Now, for people who aren't used to the quote-unquote real strategy of how to beat these bosses, challenge mode was actually somewhat difficult, because you had to do stuff that was uncomfortable. Getting the gaze for a lot of people was not a very comfortable thing. They kind of freaked out, and they would run all over the place. Or killing ogres on Oryx was a challenge because they weren't used to this. They were used to you know, doing the no night strat. Now that we've had all the challenge modes in front of us, we've already heard what all the different YouTubers and different streamers have to say about uh, the challenge modes and how they weren't that hard. Let's go ahead and talk to more common people. So we'll start off with David. What did you think of all three challenge modes? Uh, well, I mean... War Priest, I, like everybody else, I don't even think it was a challenge. It was literally we ran it like normal. We just had to make sure if the thing went to the same side, the same person didn't step on it twice. Which, at that point, it was me kind of thinking, this isn't Bungie making challenge modes. This is Bungie making do it like we thought you should do it modes. Which, <laughs> I mean, 
in the past, people have cheesed the raids. So I'm okay with that. But if they're going to do that, then their dynamics need to be harder. When we got to Golgoroth, we had always done the one orb strat because it was simple. It kept things fast. You could bring new people through. They could do that nice and easy. So that one, it, it should have been harder. But then people figured out, hey, you can just do one orb strat. You just have everybody cycle through. As long as you have people who are paying attention, that one's easy as well. Oryx, that's different. I still have only done two Oryxes at this point because I haven't even played in like four days before today was Sparrow Racing because I've been super final. busy, finals and stuff. It's terrible. But uh, I enjoy Oryx Challenge Fight. It's actually a challenge. The entire team has to communicate. There are way more ways to wipe than originally war were. Uh, I mean, if you don't get all the ogres, if you don't get all the light-eating knights, and if someone accidentally steps in to a blight, well, then you have to start over. And that kind of makes this fight that normally when we have our normal team on, we can do in like 15 to 30 minutes. It can take upwards. I think one took us like an hour and a half to do because mm -hmm. there's just so much going on now with this challenge fight that you actually have to focus and pay attention the entire time. I mean, the right. sorry, go on, carry on. I was say, ahead, the problem Jimmy. I have with Oryx at the minute is the teleporting ogres, and that seems to be an issue for a lot of people. I don't really know what makes that happen, because I've had runs where we run it perfectly. We've gone straight in, 15 minutes done, and then times where I, we're like dashing our heads against the wall for two hours just because they keep teleporting to the middle. I don't know if you guys have experienced that at all on that challenge, though, but... Yeah, we we experienced that a couple times. Uh, I mean, yesterday we we did a run, first try, no issues, completely smooth. Uh, what I have noticed uh, is there's an issue with the ogres and the geometry of the room. Yeah. Um, and, and what I mean by that is, say the ogre spawns up from the pool of water between the Death Singer's tower and the platforms. The second, if you were to use your sniper rifles. They're the easiest way to stun the ogres. So if you keep hitting him in the eye with that sniper rifle, he's going to keep backing up and backing up. And eventually, he's going to get to a point where he just falls off the map. And when he does that, he teleports to the middle of the room. Problem with that is, if he teleports to the middle of the room, you might not even know that he's there, so he might kill you. Or if you kill the ogre, well then... You just cut off an avenue to run, and even worse, when you have to detonate all the blights, you potentially have a blight that might be away from someone, and it could be a problem in trying to get it to detonate all 16 blights. Yeah, see, I, I always thought it was something to do with line of sight, but that sounds a lot more like, uh, feasible. Yeah, I'm, I, I, we've noticed that when we kill the ogres using just the, the, the touch of malice, the method that we used was we put a blessing of light and a weapons of light in the middle between the Death Singer towers on the floor. And the two people, the two titans in there would just kill the ogres using Touch of Malice. Since you can burn them real, real quick. Yeah, definitely. Um, so by the time that they're fully standing up, because while they're standing up, that whole animation, they can't be stunned. So if you're just shooting them with your Touch of Malice, you burn them real quick. They won't get stunned and they have less of a chance of going backwards and falling off the map. So if you're using sniper rifles, which I know a lot of people do, that's where that's where I've noticed issues coming into play. I don't know if that's an issue with the actual in-game engine, which it probably is. And it came to fruition now because Bungie's having us do it the real way. But it, it, it's something that shouldn't have been in the game. This is, this is stuff that 
they should have been aware of ever since they've noticed, hey, you can push Atheon off the map. Hey, you can push a Templar off the map. Yeah. Maybe there should be some sort of barrier. And I think they thought that they had enough of a barrier, but when the creature is pretty large, he's going to slide up and slide off. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, I think they dropped the ball on that a bit. I think it should have been a bit bit better play-tested. But, I mean, I, I, we normally kill everything when we do a run with my clan that normally raid. And we kill all the knights, we kill all the ogres. We never run no knight. We still have a weapons and a blessing bubble in the middle. And we've never seen the ogres teleport. And it just seems weird that they've started doing it now. I mean, and I, they, they use Touch of Malice as well. But I don't know if they're using like a couple of sniper shots every now and then because I'm normally the person running the relic. So I can't say for 100% sure that I, they are just using malices, but that does seem to be the reason why. That makes a lot of sense. Right. I mean, there, there's already been issues with that fight. It's, I think it's safe to say the biggest issue everybody has with the entire Oryx fight as a, as a whole is when you get teleported, as he's swinging, you get put right into his line of sight and there's absolutely nothing you can do sometimes. And that ends the run right then and there, especially if, you, if you're doing challenge mode. Well, sometimes... Go on, carry on, sorry. Oh, no, sometimes it's not even you get put into his line of sight. Like, I've had times where I literally get teleported into his sword. You don't yeah. even get time to react. I've, I've actually had it where the sword is glitched through the floor. So you say you're not teleported, you're just killing ads, stopping them coming in the bubble. The sword is halfway through the floor when you're in the normal room, and then he swings and it kills you. Yep. Yeah, well, our famous one, this is my favorite. Uh, <laughs> we like, had what? one where he took a swing, did a pirouette, a full 360, <laughs> and then swung video. again and took someone out because we all thought he was flying into the sky as he started doing his pirouette. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that was crazy. I saw that video. Swan Lake. <laughs> oh my gosh. It was ridiculous. I just don't understand how they make this raid, and every time they make a raid, they try and make it bigger, but then they inc incorporate all these glitches that obvi they're obvious to find. We find them in our first or second run, so how do they not see these glitches and fix them before they push the raid out? If anything, I believe that it's a, it's a, it's a function of the game engine itself. I mean, we've already heard reports that it takes, what is it, five hours for Bungie to move something... Like two centimeters. Yeah, I definitely yeah, because they're running on old software and everything. Exactly. So it, it for something like this, it's gonna take them a long time to even fix a certain type of glitch. I mean, there's already it's a minor glitch, but one that I'm surprised that they haven't fixed is especially when you're doing the. Um, it's actually in the relay area when you're in the aura, you have. And if you, if you have the raid gauntlets, you have the quick reload while you're in the pre, while you're in the aura. Yeah. Problem is, if the aura switches and you're still in the aura, you all of a sudden lose the ability to do that because the aura switched. Mm. And they have never fixed that up yet. In every other aura that doesn't switch, that's never been a problem. You can still quick reload during the war priest encounter. You can quick reload during the Oryx encounter, or and also the Deathsinger uh, encounter if you're in the aura. But oh. whenever that, for some reason, that aura switches during the uh, what is it called the, the the relay part in the Basilica, there's an issue in in the game that doesn't let you reload at the, at the, at the full speed again. 
I mean, that's so, one of the big problems I have with Bungie is that I let me start off by saying I love the game and I'm not bashing it at all. But mm-hmm. when it's a problem with a microtransaction like the Sparrow Racing League book, it is fixed in a day and a half, two days. Mm-hmm. And when it's something uh, raid, re- yeah, it's yeah. crazy. And when it's raid related, oh yeah, that can wait a month because the way I think they see it, obviously, it's, it's doing with real people's money and it's it's depreciating something they've bought. And I completely understand that. But I just think everything should be treated in the same light. Well, how's that any different? Than us buying the game, like we buy this game, we pay for this game, we all pay that for taking true. game, yeah, yeah, pay for and the DLC, pay for everything like that. Yeah, you have Shadow Shot, which took them what, a month and a half <laughs> to get the patch out. I, like yeah. hunters so lost annoying. part of their super. Like they, and they said, oh yeah, here we go, we're just going to disable the three shots. Oh yeah, trials is back up. It's like brilliant. You've gimped a class, and now you're trying to play competitively. You, you might as well not go for a hunter then, because. You can't viably use that super because you want the three shots. Yeah, people are people are worried about microtransactions like being game breaking and being able to buy armor and stuff. But then they pull stuff like that. It's not on purpose, of course. But you know, like you said, you know, shadow shot gets completely broken and they take it out for a month. How that's that's game breaking and that's not even like something that people pay to have. That's just a glitch that screws yeah. everything up for an entire class. Now. Back to the orcs encounter the challenge mode. Uh, how did you guys feel of, uh, w- with it as a whole? Well, we already heard from David and we already heard from Jamie. About you, Ryan? Um, I liked it. I mean, like um, I think it was David that said it before. Um, it was an actual challenge, which was nice. I mean, or um, Golgoroth was it was a little more challenging, but it was just kind of rotating and just getting the groove down. Same thing with. Um, with the war priests, it was just kind of getting that groove down and making sure that nobody had it twice. But Oryx, I mean, I, I'm I'm used to the to the no night strat from running it with you, Jorge, from running it with um, my mm. other group. But doing it like that, it was it was it was fun. It was actually it kind of brought the fun back mm. into it. I think because there was more communication required, and yeah, it's really annoying when stuff glitches out. But I thought it was actually it was actually fun. Yeah, I, I mean, for me, the main reason why we always did the no night strat was, it was, it, it's just, there's more room for error than there is when you kill all the ogres and, and knights. That's not to say that that the that the killing ogres strategy isn't worth it. It's just for me, it's for me and my clan. It's always been, what's the point if it's easier to do the no night strat? I mean, every single time we went in there, it was always first try where we would just beat it without any problems. Mm -hmm. Um, My issue with the challenge modes is that it brings up a fundamental issue with the raid. Up until Golgoroth, everything was pretty straightforward. You had to do it a certain way. When you got to Golgoroth, there was an there was an idea there. Oh, you have six orbs. That means that we probably have to use all six orbs. Well, that ended up not being the case, and there and it seemed like there wasn't enough of a penalty for not using all six orbs. And what that what that does to me is okay. I understand Bungie wants everybody to you know experience it, and be able to get through it. But then if there's no penalty 
for for not doing it a specific way or for using everything in that encounter that cheapens the fight and and this is coming from somebody who's always done the one orb strat because it's just so easy it's, you go in there melt them down with your uh, black spindle get out rinse and repeat but I'm seeing these, these, these six orbs and I'm like, okay, Bungie clearly intended for somebody to be out there, getting gazed, and when, the ga- when they're not getting gazed, they're, they're, cl- they're clearing out the ads on the bottom. I mean, this is exactly what I was going to bring up. I mean, they could, they should have done the mechanic where you can take the gaze, everyone has to take the, ca- the gaze in one rotation, and all the orbs need to be dropped. And then I was even thinking into that, like, people would still find a way to cheese it, because they, they'd be able to you know, cycle the gaze six times, still get the, the damage on the one orb, and then drop all the four orbs but not stand in them, and then just drop the last one and then do damage on six as well, because I don't I don't know a lot of groups do damage on one orb, damage on six. Right. But I think it would be really hard to program that in, because I think you'd have to physically have the code there to check that everyone's done gaze, to check that all the orbs have gone down, and then to check that DPS has been done from each puddle. I mean, that's a lot of checks that they've had to do, and perhaps it wasn't something they could have done in time, but I mean, that's personally how they should have done it, I feel. Well, if you look at it, it's not necessarily that they have to check that someone has done it. They just have to add a dynamic. Like, uh, one thing that it's been brought up a lot is, is it the, the totem or tablet of ruin that Golgoroth has? Say you drop his gaze and one of those markers that gets added that like when people die. Well, now all of a sudden that one orb at or one orb strat becomes a lot harder because you have to do it in a certain amount of phases. If you start to lose people, that phase is going to become harder and harder because you have to do it with that. Checking where people have had the gaze, do something like you did with Skoloth. Make someone immune to the gaze so that they can't grab the gaze again for a certain amount of time. Well, now mm-hmm. you're taking away someone being able to repeat gaze. Mm-hmm. Right, like they did with like the poison thing. Now. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Here, here's here's the problem, and it and it goes back to the planning for the raid. And this is something I mentioned last week, where or last time, where I I I honestly believe there should have been an option there of some sort, like a I don't know, some sort of totem or whatever that you mm-hmm. kind of like when you're going into the. Um, Court of Oryx, how you have the statues, you have to offer the, the rune, right? Some sort of mini statue right there that's that you offer, you know, yourself to, to for the challenge mode so that you can go in and you can you have a choice as whether you want to do the challenge mode or you want to do the normal mode. They restricted themselves on how hard and what they can do by keeping it the same mode. So yeah, you could do the normal mode. And not even get the, and not even bother with the challenge, but because they made it so that there's only one boss, one version of the boss, whether you do challenge board or not, it limited on what they can do in terms of the challenge. Um, they can't add features to the boss. For example, they can't make the war priest a taken version because it's only going to be the regular war priest. They can't add orbs or they can't uh, add a marker on the what is it, the, the, the Tablet of Ruin, because it's the same version of Golgoroth. They can't make it so that the orbs don't regenerate if you don't take all six orbs down. There, there's a whole bunch of things that they could have done that they didn't do because they've limited themselves on that specific version of the fight and not mm-hmm. added a version 
that you have to set, uh, offer yourself to or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, when, when I was looking at the, at the challenge mode and I realized, oh, you just go in and you start the fight. The second I saw that for War Priest, I was like, that means that things aren't going to change that much in terms of the actual fight. It's just the way you complete it. Which is why everybody was thinking, oh, maybe different people are going to have to jump on and get the gaze or or um, different people have to jump around during the Oryx fight or something like that. And now that we've gone through the challenge modes and seen that, they, that basically the game is looking for one specific thing to happen throughout the fight, it's just like, well, that's not really a challenge mode if, if you can still work the cheese into it. And think about how much hype there would have been. If there had been this random relic in all of these three rooms that no one could do anything with until they released Challenge Mode. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, it would have been like the basketball court mystery all over again, except for oh, yeah. actual <laughs> substance. Yeah. So... People lost their mind over that. <laughs> what is this for? <laughs> the, 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 the Challenge Mode also highlights a, a very big thing, and that's that RNG is really taken a hold of the game in a way not seen since probably Vanilla Destiny. Um, and it's that's not a good thing at all. What I mean by that is people were so starved, so starved for 320 uh, weapons and artifacts and gear and whatnot that they did these modes and then they kind of left. Because there doesn't seem to be that excited. Everybody was... They were happy to get the rewards. For the most part. But then they realized that they were getting the same exact rewards on all three characters. Yeah. And weren't really... For a lot of people, some, some people do have 320 characters. There's still a lot of people who are struggling with either a class item or a helmet. I did, I did the challenge about three times. I got two 320 auto rifles and a 320 scout rifle that helped my character zilch. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, I, I'm still waiting for a... Th- I got a 320 helmet on my Warlock, which was my first ever hard, like, raid drop for that character, which was crazy. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I haven't got a 320 helmet for my Hunter or my Titan. I don't have any class items at 320. I've got countless primaries, secondaries, and heavies at 320. I've got all the other armor pieces. That is all I'm waiting for. And it's just, it's like you said, it's annoying. I think there's something there that's it's giving the same reward over the, the three challenge modes. Because the first, like, uh, Golgoroff challenge mode, I got boots on my Hunter. On my Titan, I got boots. On my Warlock, I got boots. And I, I don't, I've, I've been seeing a pattern with that. So then, like, going back for War Priest, I got a 320 heavy, then I got a 320 heavy again, and then a 320 heavy again, and I never got the special. So I never got the secondary weapon, I never got any other type of armor, and on Oryx I got three primaries like you did, and didn't get any helmets. And I think a lot of people were saying when they got helmets, they got helmets for every character. Honestly, I mean, one of my problems with the challenge mode loot drops is, why are we getting a 320 artifact from every single fight? I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's wasting one of our 320 drops to get a repeat artifact because I've gotten every the time. same artifact three times on all three characters yep. from all three challenge modes. Or actually two uh, I've gotten all three times because one I haven't done the third, but I'm sure I'll get the same one because that's how this game works. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if you don't know, David has the most 
interesting RNG ever known to man. He loves them 300 uh, raid drops. As in, it's not RNG. It's, it's here. You get what, what's left over from everybody else. You can have just little nothings. Scrap from the table. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and the one argument I keep hearing is, well, being 320 doesn't matter. Being 320 doesn't matter. Being 320 doesn't matter. You can be 314 and still do the raid and still do... It's, it's not about that. It's just constantly seeing... The same exact stuff. I mean, the one of the biggest driving factors of this game, the one that, factor that keeps you coming back, is always having a chance to get that gear that'll push your light level higher, whether it's arbitrary or not. In many cases, it's not. There's a, there's a clear benefit to having to being 320 over being, say, 316. Because when your skill doesn't, let's say you're going up against somebody who has equal skill, then what matters is that last piece right there, the, the, the level. If, you have, if you're 320 and they're 316, equal skill, the 320 should be able to put it over the top based on, on light level, being able to do that extra two damage that will one-shot, some, that'll, that'll kill somebody with that last burst from your pulse rifle. That the other person wouldn't have. I think Just, 320 does though. I think what it is is it's at 310 that you go up and at 320 you go up. So a 310 is better than a 309, but not better than a 319. And then a 320 is better than a 319. I think that's how I, it is based off that chart, but I'm not 100% sure. I slightly disagree with that statement. The only reason I say that is when you're 310 in that Oryx room, and you're looking at the enemies, they have the red number. But the second you got to 312, I've, I noticed that those red numbers turn, turn back yeah, to normal. They go back true. to normal color. So, I, I was so thinking I, more off damage output from PvP, though. Because that's kind of how, when I look at light, honestly, light makes makes a difference in PvE. But if you're going to go off, when, it, when it, the damage numbers really differ, it mm -hmm. comes in PvP. Because right. in PvE, your damage number will be... 30 points different well that's 5300 versus 5330 mm. when in pvp you're looking at 33 on every headshot versus 34 on every edge right yeah these it, it, it i'm pretty sure they did that on purpose so that people when they're doing pvp don't feel the uh the delta scaling as hard i mean i would but, definitely agree with that but at a certain point, when you're getting hit by all these old year one weapons, and you're getting destroyed in something like I saw, I remember one one week I was doing Trials of Osiris, and somebody was using Icebreaker, <laughs> and I just got blasted away. And more power to the guy, but at the same time, I'm 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 like, if he's using Icebreaker, that puts him at a at a giant disadvantage because he's down to at least you know the three hundreds, maybe even lower. Well, my question with that one is, why can an icebreaker at 170 light one-shot headshot someone, but a, a year two sniper that doesn't have the highest impact at 320 light still can't one-shot someone just because they've got a little bit extra shield? Is like that 150 light that much bigger difference than a little teeny sliver of impact? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I've seen 
many situations where year one weapons, even though they're supposed to be nerfed, aren't nerfed. Yeah. And that delta yeah. that delta scaling isn't as strong. I, I, I'm I'm looking at at, at the at the at the whole curve that's supposed to be there, and I'm 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 just kind of scratching my head like, I don't see it happening in game. Maybe it's just me, but I do anyway. think it is too minimal though. I I I don't understand why with you guys on well, with you guys 100% I don't understand why a year one weapon can can one hit someone when they're using year two gear it's just nonsensical I think they just need to take it back and retune it especially in trials mm-hmm. well since we already started you know talking about PvP let's go into it but before that challenge mode great loot great stuff that we're getting from it not that challenging and a little disappointing because it opened up our eyes on certain glitches happening in the game. Mm-hmm. So, I think that's pretty good way to summarize that. Uh, with regards to PvP, the 2.1 update happened since our last recording. Pulse rifles got a giant, giant nerf. Shotguns got a quote-unquote nerf. Uh, um, <laughs> auto rifles. <laughs> auto rifles got a buff. Question mark? Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. My question mark was more towards shotguns got a nerf. Oh, yeah. Well, I think they both deserve a question mark. A question mark? So let's, let's go ahead and talk about the big auto rifle scandal where everything was supposed to be, what is it, 7%, 4%, 6%, and then it ended up being really uh, 0. 0.04. 0. 0. 0.04, 0. 0.04, and you're just like, uh. Which. I, I I remember watching this one video where the guy basically blasted Bungie and said, you guys are a bunch of liars and uh, you're saying that it was an accident. What kind of accident is this that you waited three weeks to, you know, to actually say, oops, we, we goofed. Deej said this and I'm just like, whoa, 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 whoa. Pump the brakes. Yeah, pump the brakes a little because he started going off on weird tangents, basically calling, you know, Bungie, a bunch of liars and hypocrites, and that we should be calling them out on this. And if we don't call them out, the the the, the future of the game, you know, goes with it. And and oh, okay. Anyway, the whole auto rifle sh- shenanigans. I actually think that they're in a good spot. Maybe they need to be buffed up just a slight bit, but they're in a in a pretty decent spot. The problem is. It goes back to the the biggest thing I've been mentioning the past few weeks. The range stat, I still don't think is where it needs to be. Case in point, the the same shotgun offenders that I see from before are still there. You still have your conspiracy theory Ds. They're still hitting from pretty much the same exact range. And it nullifies any desire to have, say, a sidearm or a fusion rifle. I completely agree. I mean, sidearms and fusion rifles are, are pretty much non-existent. If you're a competitive PvP player, you're mainly going to be rolling with a pulse rifle, a sniper rifle, and a proximity rocket launcher. I mean, and shotguns, obviously, as well. But, I mean, fusion rifles and sidearms won't ever get a look in in the, the current meta. Mm-hmm. What meta? Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the whole mess that it's in at the minute. I mean, the, the thing with range that I see is on most maps in the Crucible, 
range has no play and we have no idea what range is. But as soon as you get on these huge maps, honestly, I think range works well because there's actually range for you to see. Once you get on a map where a scout rifle actually has drop off, that's when you can see that, oh yeah, scout rifles can shoot long, pulse rifles can shoot more medium, and assault rifles are short. But due to the fact that every single map Bungie has designed and put into competitive play is super small, tight quarters, encourages shotguns, encourages hand cannons in year one, pulse rifles in year two. Like, there is no range drop off to happen when you're turning a corner and getting in someone's face every five seconds. Mm -hmm. I think that's shown in the trials maps as well. They're all very close quarters. And like you said, it just promotes that kind of gunplay. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I think it's safe to say that the biggest... I don't want to call them thorn and last word because they're not at that level. But the biggest guns that I see going on in, in Crucible right now, Mida, the stapler, yep. and <laughs> last word, uh, ever since they really modified... I was just about to say that the last word has come back into its own. Uh, well, I actually didn't mean last word, but uh, last word is, 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 is back, and, and it, it is, it's, well, it's never left. But I, I meant to say um, David's favorite weapon... Uh, what's it called now? The No Land Beyond? The No Land Beyond. <laughs> yep. Uh, my best trials tickets on this past map were a No Land Beyond and a shotgun because I would abuse the shotguns in those hallways and then I'd just get myself in the middle and snipe people. Oh, Drifter was a terrible map for, 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 for trials. Drifter is a terrible map, at, like, period. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I understand the, the, the reasoning behind the map, but say you, you're going down one of those tunnels... If you don't fully commit to that tunnel and get out to the other side immediately, you're you're toast. Because if if there's other people coming in and you're halfway, you can't just turn around and go the other way because you have a bit of a distance. So they're just gonna shoot you while you have your back turned, kill you, and be on, and, and and just look for the next target. But it's not even just that. Like so, Drifter. Looking at it from the competitive standpoint, as it was just used for trials, which is like the epitome of competitive gameplay for destiny looking at the background of every single competitive game that's done big halo call of duty are two of the biggest shooters that have gone big um those maps at every situation the maps that are allowed in competitive play have identifying factors where you can call out any part of the map you see it in some destiny maps like uh widow's court the one from a few weeks ago that one's great for it at all times you can call out exactly where people are because they're identifying factors. For Drifter, literally half the map is uh, they're in a tunnel that looks exactly the same <laughs> as every other tunnel. So I don't know where they are to tell you because they're in a tunnel. If you can't call out where a person is based on some identifying factor, then that map shouldn't be competitive because you can't make it competitive. I mean, I think it's hard to kind of... and like shoot me down right now if you disagree i think it's hard to actually make destiny competitive full stop with just the, the the range of everything you have in there i mean if you're looking back at a game like halo um with their competitive uh, player base is you know it's based off the same gun the same maps that do the same damage everyone's at the same pegging and then that is truly competitive because there's so much variance in destiny I do mm -hmm. find it's hard to be truly 100% competitive. Well, that's like, why part... That's, oh, sorry, you can continue. I was going to say, I believe that's the reason why it's not made it into esports yet. 
I personally, I don't think it's ever going to make esports just because the style of game you don't see. Uh, God, I don't want to say this, but you don't see MMO <laughs> style games becoming esports, and it is kind of based off MMOs, though it isn't one. Mm-hmm. But Destiny and Bungie are messing up because if you look at competitive games, look at every single Call of Duty that's gone competitive since Call of Duty Four. Look at Halo. When you look at the competitive play, every player is using two guns, the best close quarter gun and the best long range gun. For Call of Duty, it's always assaults and SMGs, the best SMG, the best assault. Destiny has had that multiple times. They had Thorn and Last Word. They had Bad Juju and Norwin's Mercy and Hawksaw. But Bungie, for some reason, sees that as a flaw. So they destroy those guns. When you have a game that you're trying to make competitive, you shouldn't base your meta off destroying guns. Every single patch we get is, uh, yeah, we took this gun down 14%, we took this gun down 10%, and we buffed this gun by 1%. Why can't they just try and bring up other guns a little bit? I personally have never had a gun in Destiny that I felt was so overpowered that I was winning gunfights I shouldn't win except for shotguns. Yeah, one with a cast. Yeah. <laughs> that thing was crazy. Oh, okay, okay. yeah, yep. I'll, I'll allow that one. The Mythoclast was... Yeah. But that, that one was also like a new idea that they were finally introducing into the game. That they didn't know how it would react once people got it because no one had it right off the start. Everyone had hand cannons. That thing was so disgusting. <laughs> you, but could it, just, it, you could tear people down in like two headshots. But boom, it's like... Straight away, it was crazy. I'm glad Which, I got nerfed, don't get me wrong. I, I don't think Mythoclast was even put into a bad spot, though. Like, Mythoclast wasn't destroyed. Mythoclast could still be oh, used. Mythoclast was destroyed, and then yeah. it was, re- it was yeah. rebuffed. The, the, initial, the initial nerf to it completely destroyed that gun. Yeah. And then when they rebuffed it, then it came back into its own. So okay, I'll, I'll they, allow they, that. They did leave it in that, that really poor state for a good four or five months, and people that had worked so hard to get this gun, especially when Volta Glass was the first raid that had come out, just felt a bit disheartened by it all, and I, I can't you know, help but agree with them. I mm. mean, I, I think Bungie should be letting these weapons have a best-in-class, and I don't understand why they're scared of making that. They make a weapon that's good. And they're like, oh, well, that's too good. Let's just nerf it. It's like, well, no, there's going to be a best in class for every, for every type. Exactly. I think, I think that a lot of that's just due to, to the opinionated community that Destiny <laughs> has. Like, I mean, I mean as, soon as, some, as soon as multiple people start feeling like one weapon, one gun, one like, class of guns even is completely overpowered, there's like an outrage and there's an outcry. And then that's know. how everything gets destroyed and debuffed. And then other things, like you were saying, David, gets minimally buffed after that. But my thing is, if you were to take original Suros versus Thorn and, Thorn and Last Word at their best versus Nerwin's Hawksaw at their best, in my opinion, those guns would all be even with Time to Kill. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So why can't we have it where all those guns aren't at their best so that we actually have a meta where there are a lot of good guns for people to choose from rather than right now where literally I don't like playing PVP at this moment when I'm not using no land beyond because every other gun feels like it's not doing its job to me. Mm-hmm. 
Meow. <laughs> <laughs> I have no counter to that. Usually, I, I like to give counters just because I will. Uh, there, there is one slight counter I will say. The hand cannon range was a little ridiculous, and Thorn, when it was buffed to to the best it was, was leagues better than most guns in the game. It only had one gun that could probably compete with it, and that was Last Word because of its time to kill. Um, yeah, the 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 what they should have done was kept that kept the original low magazine that it had because it was a very powerful gun. Kept the slower reload to a certain extent, and made the uh the 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 dot the damage over time not as strong. I do like the concept that they have now where multiple shots equals more damage in terms of the, the poison, and that I'm okay with. Uh, but the range was absolutely ridiculous. It, it, it nullified... The biggest thing was, if you have a type of gun that nullifies a class of weapon, then you got a problem. And the biggest problem I had with hand cannons were that it nullified scout rifles. I completely agree. I mean, I never had a problem yeah. with the damage that Fawn did. I never had a damage problem with the damage over time it did. The problem I had is exactly what you hit on the head there, is the range. There is no way in hell that a Fawn should be outclassing a, a Mider at range. That's mm -hmm. just unheard of. That shouldn't be a thing. And like you said, it... Oh, I'm sorry, I Karen. agree. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like... When they finally nerfed hand cannons to a really large extent, um, pulse rifles became a thing because hey, they're they're they got basically the same range as a scout rifle, and I can two shot somebody. Cool. Then you run into the same situation that you had before. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's no reason to use a scout rifle because a pulse rifle is doing the same, a better job this at is, the same range. This is my biggest problem with Bungie. And whilst I appreciate the fact they listen to their community and they make changes based on the community input, there are times when they should just tell them to shut up because the community does know what they want, but they should stop listening to them as much as they do because... The problem, what they're doing with the, the nerfing and the buffing, they will always have a problem. They will always have a problem with this game. There will always be that one or two, two or three weapons that sit at the top each time an update hits, and that will always get swapped around. Like David said, when everything was at its best, and it was, you know, the time to kill was similar, that is the perfect place to be. You've got Mida for a scout, you've got Last Word for a hand cannon, You've got Red Death or Nerwins for a Pulse. You've got Cirrus for an auto rifle. That is range. That is diverse amounts of weapons you can use in any scenario that will have a similar time to kill. Why is this not a thing? I don't understand. Right. It, it, and my, my, like I mentioned, the range. It's just certain maps should, should encourage certain type of gunplay. And the problem is, because of the way the maps are designed, that they're so tight and, and small-ish, there's no diversity in gunplay. Every single map pretty much is, is good for pretty much every type of weapon. Problem is, there's never been a situation where the scout rifles have been a good choice for the maps, except for when you're doing something like uh, what is it? Uh, the when you're using Bastion and First Light, I forget the game types 
that are on there, the, the ones with the vehicles. Oh, yeah. yeah. The non-existent game types. Right. Yeah, <laughs> the, the ones that nobody... Basically, there's not a point to use scout rifles in PvP until recently. And the biggest... Gun that everybody's using now is Mida. I hear the staple shots all over the place. <laughs> like, oh goodness! I'll tell you one thing: if you are a hunter and you use Mida, radiant dance machines all day long. That's oh, all I'm so saying. fast. <laughs> yeah. You're just gliding around all over the place. So, I still see problems with the actual range stat, and until that's properly addressed so that there's an actual smooth curve that they keep talking about when they when I read the whole uh notes for the shotgun where they were talking about oh the shotgun drop off will be the smooth curve outside of the melee range and that's I was like there's the no smooth curve are you kidding me yeah, in the in the hot fixes they keep talking about uh, they keep talking about the curve and trying to adjust the curve and make it smoother but it's not it's like they're not adjusting it enough. Like it's just need to be a little bit more drastic about it. It's more twisted every time they amend it. <laughs> yeah. Well, the uh, the biggest problem that I've found with range over time is there's a an interview with um, John I went Wisniewski. Is that how you say his name? I, sure. I believe so. Yeah. But like uh, he did an interview with Crucible Radio, and. He explained range, and it took him about 15 minutes to explain range because there is about 20 different stats incorporated into that one range bar. So the problem Bungie now has is they can't be like, oh, this gun's too good at this range. Well, let's bring down the range bar. Because when they bring down the range, they're bringing down all these other stats, and it completely changes that gun, and they don't want to do that. So they're like, oh, well... We'll bring it down one point because that'll bring down everything a little bit. So it'll make it a little bit worse and I'll take down this range a little bit. If they were to just separate range from all these other stats, then they could be like, oh, this gun's damage drop off starts here. Well, now let's bring down the range and now it starts here. And that's how they could get a smoother curve. But they've incorporated so much into this one stat that they can't just simply bring down that stat without ruining the gun in 19 other places. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah that, and that, I feel like that's one of the other reasons that it's never going to be competitive is because of that exact kind of thing. Because with you have like Call of Duty and stuff, or Halo, where you know range, it, even though you don't always see that stat like you do in Destiny, I know in Call of Duty you do, but you the range is just range. The damage is just damage. The accuracy is just accuracy. Like There's not a bunch of other stuff built into it to create that one stat. Well, there's no question with it in other games. In Call of Duty, uh, like exactly. Call of Duty is where I come from. I played it uh, for like eight years, played semi-competitively for a while, was in a bunch of clans and stuff. And when I would run around on a map, I'd be like, okay, this map's SMG. I'd have an SMG. If I'd turn a corner and there'd be an open area, just looking at the map, I would be like, if a person is here, I can shoot him. If a person is here, I can't because my gun's not going to do that. In Destiny, I have no idea where my gun's going to shoot someone or lose damage or do anything. Yeah. There's no distinct factor in if I stand this far away, it's going to do this much damage, or if I stand over here, it's going to do basically nothing. Yeah, exactly. Where's the curve? Yeah. <laughs> it's inconsistent, and it's not good to, if they want to keep bringing in competitive styles of play. Yeah. 
And I feel like that's even apparent in, in PvE sometimes. Like, you're still not always sure, like, if you stand this far away, am I going to do this much, this much, much damage? Or do I have to get closer in order to do the maximum amount of damage? I mean, personally, what I would like in Trials of Osiris, for example, is you rent the weapons, okay? So you go to Brother Vance or whatever, and he's like, okay, what Trials of Osiris weapon do you want? What primary do you want? What secondary? What heavy? And you rent them. You go through a ticket, and then when you get to the lighthouse, he'll give you that weapon to use in a PvE scenario or a PvP scenario at, I don't know, 320, because I think weapons deserve to be a 320 if you're going to the lighthouse. But then that way, you've got the same weapons in the game. Everyone has the same. If you chose a sniper rifle, everyone has the same sniper rifle. If you choose a pulse rifle, everyone has the same pulse rifle. Then it's purely down to gun skill and potentially the occasional odd super. But then that's how it should be done because that's that's more competitive than anything we've ever seen in this game. Which they made that they made that super easy with the factions, like literally, or factions. I think it's factions. They're like Haka, Soros. Yeah. Yeah, oh, literally, yeah, yeah. they could just be like, Trials this week is sponsored by Soros. Everybody gets oh, the Soros. Foundries. Foundries, yeah. yes, yeah. thank you. Or yeah. Trials this week is sponsored by Haka. Oh, now everybody use Haka guns. Right, I mean, th- that was one of the things that I mentioned a-, a couple weeks ago, actually, when we were talking about, um, oh, what is it called? Uh, Iron Banner. How I would like to see Iron Banner become its own mm-hmm. mode. A five-on-five mode where you're only using Iron Banner weapons. Yes. And then, you know, at, at the end when you get to level, I don't know, say five or whatever, you earn one of the uh, uh, Iron Banner weapons, you can choose which one. Well, even you could do like a quest, like say you have a choice between all these different Iron Banner weapons and you go into that. Well, now you have a quest for the auto rifle, a quest for the pulse rifle, a quest for the hand cannon, a quest for the sniper. Make the quest hard and be like, if you complete this quest, well, now you get it at max light. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep, definitely. That's what needs to be done, especially for competitive multiplayer types. And then you've got your Rift modes, you've got your normal Clash modes, the casual PvP play where you can use any of your equipment that you've earned. That's how it needs to be. And I just wish they'd realize that sooner. Mm-hmm. So, uh, besides the range and, and, and stuff, how are you guys liking the 2.1 patch in terms of gunplay? I do think it is more balanced to a degree, but I mean, auto rifles need to be looked at again because I I don't think they even know what's going on with those. <laughs> I, I think everything needs to be looked at again. Everything needs a damage yeah. buff so that it actually feels like it works. Yeah. I mean, time to yeah. kill has gone right down from where we used to be. And that's, and that's part of why... Everybody will start complaining about snipers. I guarantee it. Because right now... Oh, they have been. Yeah, because right now snipers get one-shot kills. Yes, you have to have skill to be very efficient with a sniper, especially the closer you get to your enemies. But right now, because snipers can do this one-hit kill, and they nerfed pulse rifles, which were the only thing that could consistently knock a sniper off an easy headshot... Now there is nothing to stop a sniper from just easily headshotting you at all times. Yeah, I do agree. Snipers dominate at the minute. I mean, the, the main problem I have with them, well, you've got, you've got luck in the chamber, the final round sniper archetypes, like the Irene. And I know they've nerfed that, but they actually gave it to people as an, an arms day drop with luck in the chamber. I'm like, really, what the hell? 
you, you've made that weapon for Arms Day. It's got the highest impact for a legendary in the game, and you give it luck in the chamber, and you're expecting it not to one-hit someone. Whoa, I don't... Whoa, whoa. What was going through their mind when they were like, yes, let's put luck in the chamber and stop the rifle? That sounds <laughs> I like a good I idea. I honestly yeah. don't understand. I mean, if it was on a, a raid-type archetype, you know, where you're, you've got the you know high, in, uh, high rate of fire, low impact, that makes sense. It still won't one-hit someone on the body. It'll do a little bit more damage on a critical, a bit more damage on a, you know, a body shot. That's fine. I don't mind a sniper doing a little bit more body damage so they're, I don't know, one scout rifle bullet away from death. But where it's physically killing someone one shot on the body, you know, like that's that's wrong. That's that just promotes people shooting people in the, the bloody toe. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I'm glad they fixed it. I just don't understand why they set themselves up to fail in that regard. They they've made that weapon. They put it in there. That's a guaranteed role that you're going to get on it. The same with the conspiracy theory. That that comes perfectly wrong. <laughs> out of <laughs> out, out of a really easy Vanguard quest. I think it's doing what five heroics, isn't it? And it, you get it was it. basically like if you play the game, you're gonna get this gun that's overpowered. Yeah. Like, oh here's Fellwinters two point enjoy. Like Oh good. It's the same exact <laughs> stats as Fellwinters. It's so oh <laughs> it's like uh, I think I saw these... it posted on the uh, Fireteam chat podcast page today. Like you're, you've got a three twenty conspiracy theory. I know who you are already. <laughs> uh, yeah, I saw that last night too. <laughs> it's, Bungie says they listen. They do things that seem like they're listening, and then they do things that are just the opposite of what they already said they were trying to get rid of. Yeah, I think I said that. I think I said something similar to that last week. That they they listen, but. Sometimes they either they either listen too much or they like don't listen at all. Yeah, and they do the opposite, like you said. I I think what's happening is that it's a symptom of the game engine, and they can't really make any huge changes to that game engine unless they either modify it. But if they do that, if they modify it, then they're that that's for a new game. Or they completely go with a new game engine, which that means they're going to put that in a new game. So all the changes that we're looking for won't be in there until there's a new game. And right now, the only thing that the live team can do is basically make minor changes to the system that we got right now to do the best that they can. And it's just unfortunate that they put themselves in this situation where all they can do is make minor tweaks and just wait for the new game. Yeah, I think you're about right. I think Destiny's kind of... Well, they've already announced they're not releasing any more major DLC for it. It's all going to be in events. I think this is probably coming towards the end of its current cycle. And I've got high hopes for the new one, definitely, especially if they go with a, a, a new engine. Well, or more improved engine. Since you actually opened up the up of that topic, let's actually go ahead and talk about that. The future of Destiny being well, Destiny One or Year Two, I should say, uh, where it's just going to be events. Uh, the first big one was the Festival of the Lost, the Halloween event. Then we got the Sparrow Racing event, which is the holiday event because nobody wants to say Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> but it conveniently ends the uh, week after Christmas. Anyway, uh, so we're going to have an event in January 
which is on par with Festival of the Lost. For all we know, it could be herpes, cupids all over the place, and yeah, th that'll be the, the, the second oh. event. But there's supposed to be an event after that, where we're looking at February, March, in that area, where it's supposed to be the biggest content drop since Taken King. Nobody knows what the size is. A lot of people aren't getting their hopes up because the biggest content drop since Taken King has been the Sparrow Racing League, which we'll discuss in a second. Everybody wants a raid. Everybody wants more PvE stuff. Do you guys honestly believe that given what we have, knowing what the live team is capable of, that this is something that's going to be given to us? Because there's there's not much more that they can do with the current planets for Earth. The, I don't like calling the moon a planet, but for all intents and purposes for this game, it's a planet. Earth, moon, Mars, and Venus, and what they have available in terms of resources. Do you honestly believe that there's much more that they can put, and a dreadnought, I forgot, in the game for us to have PvE or raid or whatnot? Um, so, my thing... I'll just talk for a little bit, and then I'll let Ryan and Jamie go away with their thoughts. But right now, there's a lot of unrest, we'll say, because of this $30 add-on that they just released, which I don't, I don't even want to talk about. That. I'm just bringing it up because, obviously, Bungie has something they need to find. Because mm -hmm. if they are adding all these things that cost money, and they keep saying, like, there's one interview where some guy came out and said, it's going to be event-based, it's not going to be buying DLC. Well, if it's not going to be buying DLC, and they want to bring out things the community wants, which could be custom games, which could be a new raid, then they need to pay for it. Which means they're going to keep bringing out more stuff like that to pay for it. So I think it's a good sign that they have brought out this that costs a decent amount of money, because now they're paying for something. Do I think they could bring a raid? Maybe. I think because they're saying there's going to be an update to Sandbox in the same time period, mm -hmm. it could mm -hmm. could potentially be something mm -hmm. along the lines of what happened with House of Wolves, what has now happened with the Taken, which happened before in Dark Below with uh, the Hive, where Taken are going to go away from the worlds. Now say it's Cabal. If Cabal's ship drops down, you have to defeat the Cabal leaders like you do on the Dreadnought with the Skyburner Key. Uh that will happen. Maybe we'll have a quest line or two revolved around Cabal coming in because of the transmission sent out from the one mission, and then you have a Cabal raid. That's best case scenario. Do I think it'll happen? Probably not, because at this point, I think they're so worried about Destiny 2 and getting out a good game for Destiny 2 that I don't think we're going to see a huge expansion to the game because they just don't have the resources to do it. I mean, I... Personally, don't want to see another raid in Destiny One, and the reason I say that is because they're going to move into public events and microtransactions, and there is no way in hell that a microtransaction for I don't know increased chances of loot or anything should be incorporated into a raid. I guarantee that will be something if it is, you know, if a if a raid was a public event for a couple of months. There's going to be consumables in Tess's inventory to, to help you get those drops. And that's where I draw the line. 
I, I just, I think, you know, the money they put in for the Spark flights to boost your carriage up, everyone's kicking off about that. I don't personally see the problem. They've given you one free when you buy the Taken King. If you want three characters that are easily leveled, then buy it. That's for you. I mean, I personally don't see the problem with that. But when it physically comes to affecting what you are getting from doing an activity that any other person on your team is doing, that is an issue for me. I don't, I don't see why people that you know pay a little bit extra compared to people that have already bought that content should get better rewards. And I believe that's what would happen if you know a raid was one of these public events. Yeah, I mean, I every time I think that they maxed out what they currently have <laughs> they, they throw a new surprise your way they're like surprise surprise <laughs> chicken surprise here's a dreadnought so I, I mean what's always upset me about the dreadnought is outside of a couple missions there's giant areas of the dreadnought that they haven't really used um when you first spawn, like I mentioned, the very first mission you do on the Dreadnought, where your ship gets shot down, that entire area is gigantic, and they haven't used that outside of when you come in and the one mission where you plant the um the beacon, the beacons. Yeah, there's so much area there that you could make a public event or something along the lines there. Or like the, I don't know, a, a, a mission with the Cabal where they're trying to land there and all of a sudden the tank comes in so that they can blow a hole into the Dreadnought. Something that changes the Dreadnought's geometry. It'd be cool. But just something there. It's like, they could do something there and they, they haven't yet. Well, I mean, they do have the, you can put in what the Cabal, like beacon signal or whatever it is, and then the, um, the Wormsinger rune. To kind of create those public events, in that right? First but, area, but but that's the first area of the of the of the patrol area. I'm talking about the very first area when you go into the dreadnought. Oh yeah, the yeah, very yeah. first time. That's that right. area is gigantic. Yeah, there's much like more that they you, can when do. When you're like on the outside of it, right on the side of the ship. Yeah, Correct. when you're on the, like the yeah, little platform yeah. that's coming, that's jutting out from the side. There's All a lot right. of unused real estate. Right, and, and my yeah. problem with that is it's something that we've seen before in the game where there's giant areas where they could do stuff and they haven't yet. Like half of Pre Mars. Uh, pretty much half of <laughs> Mars. Uh, uh, yeah. There's an area between... Uh, the, the, very rarely when you go through, let's say you're Sparrow, you spawn on Mars, you go to the right side, and you go into the first area, I forget what that area is called. But you, if you take the little area to the left and you go down towards the, the buried city, there's actually an area there that has a name, by the way. I don't remember the name because we barely use that area. I was going to say Pop Quiz. Um. <laughs> Pop Quiz. <laughs> Honestly, I've spent so little time on Mars. I, I know like three areas. Like It's like Buried City, Scablands. In between Scab, it's between Scablands. Barons, there's another. Is that, what, is that it? Do I win? No, no that, that, you did not win. <laughs> ah, dang. Um, there's, there's, isn't there like a pass or something? Like something pass? Giant's Pass. That's Giant, Giant, Giant's Pass is one of the missions. that You, you do stuff there in, in Giant's Pass. But between uh, Scablands and the Buried City, there's actually an area there 
Oh, where the Vex like randomly spawn. Randomly, the, side. randomly like, there'll be there'll be Vex that yeah. spawn there, and it's just like, spawned. why is this area named? It was like, <laughs> I okay. mean, the the response we've just had is just just perfectly summarizes it. That planet is not memorized, like memorable in any way, yeah. <laughs> shape or form. Like you could easily cut that from the game, and we we wouldn't notice. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I think they, they need to put a bit more attention to detail into the areas that we do actually get to use, like you said. Or, or just use it. The yeah. Drift. They're, they're, I actually found the name. It's called The Drift. Oh, okay. Between Scablands and the Buried City, there's an area called The Drift where randomly, as you're going through it, some Vex will spawn. And you won't, sometimes you don't even notice it because you're just driving right through it. Yeah. You're just like, okay. That's a, honestly all mars is is a bunch of interconnecting things you drive through yeah yeah i mean if they if they're gonna do anything with with public events or with adding anything to pve i feel like it has to be on mars or it has to be on the dreadnought because we we've already spent so much time on venus and earth and the moon that it's if they do something like that nobody's gonna care nobody's gonna care if you add more stuff to those three places Let's they give us a new area, like say, yeah. what is it the uh, the European Dead Zone, which has multiple crucible maps, but we've never seen in the story. And yet, in, oh, on one of the, the planet, one of the well, crucible burning, burning shrine, what's oh, Mercury. Mercury? Yeah, why have we not got anywhere to go on Mercury? That, yeah. that makes no sense as well. Yeah, it's just funny to me that they'd put these crucible maps in on these spots that the story doesn't touch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like yeah. those areas in the lighthouse that are clearly gated off. Where do they go? I would love to know. Yeah. You'll never know. And whether it's stuff <laughs> like whether stuff like that that's what they're saving for like Destiny Two or or whatever. It's I feel like that's oh, that would be that would be such yeah. a disappointment though if Destiny Two is literally like, here's all these areas, we opened up a new small yeah. area oh, in I that area. The, yeah, I all think the doors in the reef. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just hoping that use the resources they, they have, add something to these areas that are gigantic that they don't do anything with. Because that's just unused assets and it's a waste of money. Like, do something there. Um, I mean, I know, we're, I know we're, like, we're kind of coming off a bit negative about it, but don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm pretty sure I can say for myself and everyone else here that we do absolutely love this game. And we're only passionate about its issues because we want it to grow and become a better experience for everyone involved. Mm-hmm. So what kind of events do you think are going to happen? Because uh, we, we obviously got Sparrow Racing now, and we'll, we'll save that for the end. But what kind of event do you think is going to happen in the future? Because it's notice that they only mentioned these two ne- next two updates. They haven't mentioned anything for the summer. So we might have the same situation that we had between House of Wolves and what was it, uh, the, the 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 Taken King, where there was basically nothing. Build Eris a new ship. <laughs> <laughs> Find the path. Because <laughs> oh, unfortunately, that's what I see happening 
where there'll be maybe one more minor update and it'll be like another festival of the lost for the summertime and that'll be it i, I don't see anything major coming up after that i mean i don't i don't want them to add just another like um you know like wolves are patrolling the area or you know like what what was the the one in Dark Below where the knights would spawn. Oh yeah, the uh, the, the blades of Crota. Yeah, yes, the blades of Crota. Like I don't want it to be another one of those because it's just rehashing the same shit again. But it probably will be because you have to look at what they can do. Yeah, right. That's that. That's the thing that kind of kills it. Is like there's, there, like you said, there's nothing else that they can do, which kind of sucks. Like you want, like I feel like everybody wants there to be something kind of new and a little, even just a little bit more. Like unique. You're almost at it. a point where you're like, I I've seen your whole hand, Bungie. There's nothing you can pull yeah, from that deck that I'm not cards. gonna know. Yeah. Well, it's a part of that is you got to look at uh, what is it? Their their the entire system of the game is, which whatever word describes it, I can't think of right now. The engine, the engine yeah. of the game is too weak for them to be like, all right, well, we want a small update. Let's incorporate a new area. I and part of that me. also comes down to last gen as terrible as it is to say say yeah last gen if this game is going to expand and get bigger worlds new worlds they need to drop last gen because the old consoles can't handle it i'm sorry if if you're on a last gen console and you play destiny then good for you but your console is 10 years old let it die move (laughs) on you need to honest to god because this is the kind of stuff that will hold them back Development time spent on rendering aspects and properties they already have in one game and then trying to transpose that into a, another engine. Well, not another engine, sorry, another format. That takes up time, and that's a lot of time that's made to make these changes between the two different sets of consoles. And that time could be spent somewhere else making the game better. Well, and, and part of it, too, is they're... They're only making the game better when it can be made better in areas that also involve last gen. When we got the huge update for Taken King, they were like, yeah, we wanted to expand your vault. It was only through sheer luck that we were able to find a storage spot in this teeny little, teeny little area of storage that could fit on both consoles and get you to 72 spots. When I guarantee you, if they were using only new gen, next gen consoles, they could use the whole cloud systems that playstation 4 and xbox have and all that stuff that the developers have access to to give us 150 200 spots in our vault for each yeah. slot mm-hmm. yeah i'm 100 percent with you there they do need to drop last gen yeah definitely yeah so let's talk about a a release that has happened in sparrow racing we've already discussed on the previous episode it's a fun little diversion distraction right um i think fatigue is starting to set in for a lot of people because you only have two maps and it's fine but it doesn't seem like the shortcuts that are in the maps are all that shortcutty if i (laughs) didn't say that it's still kind of sheer luck if it actually works or not right so and, and there's some issues with whether you know the physics of the game are good enough for a racing game because there's certain things like you you even touch 
a pebble all of a sudden you're 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 flipping 10 feet in the air you're like son of a <laughs> i was in first place yeah uh, or dude, you could just completely that pillar on mars jesus christ oh yeah. the one you come across oh, the... every <laughs> time nerfed. every time I, yeah as jason t i think posted that yeah he did <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, <laughs> this needs to be jason on that. that was hilarious bungee oh. nerf please <laughs> Every time you dodge it, like, right, I know it's coming, I'm setting myself up, no bang, straight in the middle of it every time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he bumps you over into it. Yeah. Because yeah, I, I personally don't have a problem with the blades, it's always that one pillar. Yeah. The pillar is way worse than the blades. Oh, God. That one bit on the map, though, when you've gone past that annoying pillar, there is another pillar that's on the corner and then a booster and i've noticed every time if you do just ignore that booster and just cut that corner really sharp on the left yeah you mm -hmm. overtake everyone honest to god because they're too busy trying to get the boost and it swings you right out so wide if, if like, you're real lucky though you can actually hit that boost and go yes. and still cut yeah. the corner if you're yeah. real lucky if you've got one of those the right trigger ch changing barrel ones then you can just set it up just perfectly to mm -hmm. hit both I basically yeah. found out that if you take a turn using your boosters, it, it works best because it basically pushes you into the turn. Right. Yep. And it prevents me from slamming into walls, which I do a lot. <laughs> Same. Same. I would love so, a rift mode of that, though. Oh, <laughs> God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Honest to God. Yeah, you can imagine just like around the corner. Yeah, your shadow shot or Nova bomb someone. It'd be amazing. They need to do It'd that. Be It'd be like rugby on Sparrow. <laughs> the, uh, just, just so that everybody is aware, the, the thoughts provided by ja Jamie are no way, shape, or form endorsed here by In Orbit. <laughs> I endorse them. Uh, I'm just oh, picturing yeah. Rift. On, oh, my God. Oh, you know, actually, I've got another good idea. Imagine if you have, like, a, a relic or a ball or something, and you have two teams of Sparrows, and you have to, like, throw it between each other like a relay race almost. You that just want awesome. Rift Ball That's on like Sparrows, don't you? <laughs> yeah, this sounds like Quitted. <laughs> I'm so into this right now. That makes me sound even more English. Brilliant. I mean, they have um, the perfect map for it. Bastion always requires your sparrow to get anywhere anyway. Oh my god! The, the only type. Only thing, oh god! The only there thing we go. need is a spot That's of tea a new now. Public event. We've sorted it. No. <laughs> no. Man, Bungie should just hire us off. Oh Man. no! I'll take it. No, no, you can, uh, no. You can no, buy no. the new handbook. It awards you a, an exotic uh, snitch. <laughs> <laughs> An actual golden <laughs> Oh my god, what is going on? This show has gone off the rails. Let's go ahead and close this bad boy up. I think we've already discussed 2.1, the different challenge modes, some of the future in the game. Uh, <laughs> thank you to Jamie, thank you to David, thank you to Ryan for joining today. Thank you guys for listening to In Orbit. We're available on a ton of platforms, so make sure that you guys are spreading the word. We're available on SoundClouds, iTunes, Overcast for iOS, Stitcher Smart Radio, Player.fm, and PocketCast. Let's go ahead and talk about our sister uh, podcast. We have Double Tap. That is the fighting game podcast. The first week of every month. Uh, we also have WoW Talk, which is opposite weeks of In Orbit. And then we have the MASHcast, which is available every Monday. You can find us on Twitter at MTBSite. You can find me at GoToNRG. You can find us on Facebook.com slash MashThoseButtons as well as YouTube.com slash MashThoseButtons. 
You guys want to give out your Twitters? We'll start off with Jamie. Uh, yeah, I'm on Xbox. I'm Shadow Inferno. That's all capitals. And it's SH4D0W. I-N-F-E-R-N-0. And then on PlayStation, it's the instantly regrettable name that I picked when I was about 12, which is Pesh666. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's evil. Ryan, what about you? <laughs> uh, Facebook all over Fireteam Chat. Um, PlayStation is a Genie13. That's G-E-A-N-I-E-13. And uh, I'll probably start using my Twitter a little more too, and that's just 9X Knuckles all spelled out. David? Uh, yeah, on uh, PlayStation, I'm D Schnoes, which is D-S-C-H-N-O-E-S. It's the same Schnoes. for Twitter. Yes, yeah, Schnoes. At, <laughs> at D Schnoes for Twitter. You can look to my previous spelling for that one, and then you can follow me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash dsbolt. Do lots of, lots of trial streaming, crucible streaming, and then, of course, the raids every week, which are probably freaking hilarious to watch of us all doing those. Especially when you get pirouetted on. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Plus, our commentary is priceless. Oh, gosh. Always. So, on behalf of David, Jamie, and Ryan, my name is Jorge. Thank you for listening to episode 14. Have a great, great holiday, and we'll see you back in about two weeks. Later, guys. Bye.